Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Crimes, Killers, Cults. And beer. And beer. Yes, indeed. <laughs> that's Todd. And that's Bill. And that's Jody Pluche. <laughs> how's, how's it going, Jody? How's it going? good. Other than the technical difficulties on my end, I think uh, other than that, we're doing good. <laughs> technical yeah. difficulties are the story of our life. Oh, definitely. This podcast runs on technical difficulties. <laughs> um, about a month ago, we covered the the case of his father, Gary Pluche, who, um, after realizing that his son, Jody, our guest, had been groomed and abused and everything for years straight and then kidnapped, taken to California, decided that the the kidnapper didn't need to live anymore. And as he was being extradited back to Baton Rouge, waited for him at the airport, at a payphone, and blew his brains out right then as he was walking by and got arrested, didn't even serve any time for, for what he had done. And bravo, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so, um, but since we already covered the, the, the story, what we're going to do is we're, you know, just got a list of questions here that related, but not directly the story, just kind of more of the nuts and bolts of the story. So, know. you know, aftermath and, and whatnot. And so, um, Jody, is there anything you want to start off with? No, but just go ahead and ask and I'll answer. All right. Sounds <laughs> good. So um, in our episode, we had speculated that Doucette had could have had loan sharks after him rather than creditors, and maybe that's why he had skipped town. Do we know if that's the case or not? That's not the case. The guy that he owed money to was a friend of my dad. He was a business owner around town. He owned a place, uh, several places uh, called uh, Cracker Barrel, and not not the little old fashioned home you know, restaurant where you go eat at. It was like more like a Circle K or a Seven Eleven, but it was a local to the Baton Rouge area. Jeff had came up with this idea to sell uh, LSU bandanas. And so my dad had his friend Don get in touch with, or Jeff get in touch with Don and exclusively sell these bandanas at his Cracker Barrel store. Well, when the initial payment for the bandanas, instead of buying the bandanas to get the second payment, he spent the first payment. He didn't have money for the bandanas. So it kind of, he owed Don some money, written some bad checks. So he had a court date set when he decided he was going to leave town. <clears throat> but it wasn't, no, he didn't, he didn't have like a, uh, Joe Pesci on him or nothing like that. <laughs> oh, I right wish on. he, I wish that, I wish that had been the case. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, in, in your opinion, do you think that Doucette actually thought that his little plan would actually be successful and he'd get away with it? Uh, you know what? I don't know what he was thinking. He really was, uh, different individual i mean at the time he thought he could probably con his way and get through it and, and get away from everybody but he would have been another issue um had he had he gotten away with it and that was what would he have done with me because right. i was still 11 i was almost 12 and once i would have developed you know matured as a, a teenage boy um guys who said that are in the prepubescent boys i mean they usually have an age range it was probably around you know nine ten years old um now he's in california with me i i do nothing for him anymore what's he gonna do with me yeah. you know what i'm saying so that would had he had his plan work that would have created more problems and who knows what he would have done with me at that point 
you know, I could have just ended That's up, true. you know, missing for good. No, um, one thing that we, and I may be getting ahead here in my nose, but I don't think I put this on the nose, but, um, something that, you know, we, I mean, do you think that when he was trying to get, um, your mother and, you know, to bring your, your, your brothers, not, not your sister, but your mother and your brothers, do you, do you think that that was maybe an attempt to like start some sort of a, a basically a trafficking ring or something like that? No, that was, he was just, he allowed me to call my mother uh, and let her know that I was okay after a week. And that was just kind of a way of throwing off the scent because we were in California and he was telling my mother to meet her meet in New York. If you're in California, why would you have her take the kids up to New York? I mean, it makes, right. makes no sense. So that was, that was just a ruse to, to make people think he was in New York and not LA. He didn't give one shit about my mother going to, and, and he said kids, like he, he wouldn't, told my mother to leave my sister here. I mean, she would have been included too, but I mean, that, that was to make it look like my mom had something or, or whatever, but no, that was just to throw off the police. Okay. I don't know. That's what I, it's kind of what I, I thought, but I, it's just, but like I said, you know, the little nuts and bolts that kind of get left out of, you know, uh, the story when, when it's told by somebody other than you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Did, did the, the Doucette family ever explain why they didn't let your family know about Jeff and his history with young boys until after the fact? No, but I mean, we found out we didn't have any contact with the family and then daddy shot Jeff. So we definitely didn't have any contact with the family. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know why they would think, Oh, Hey, look, Jeff's uh, got friend with four kids. I mean, yeah, that's, doesn't make any sense. Maybe they were just happy Jeff wasn't bumming off of them. <laughs> okay, because that that kind of struck me as odd that they would they would tell you after the fact that um, Doucette had you. They would tell they would tell your family, oh well, he, you know, this really doesn't surprise us. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, I mean, I, if I was in that situation, and I have been in that situation, actually, um, we have made. Uh, the spouse aware. Okay. I can't go into any more details than that, but, um, you know, having known someone who had, uh, taken advantage of a child, um, now they're a grandfather. So we've let the, the spouses know not to let the kids around them. Okay. Uh, do you think in the eighties that Doucette would have gotten a fitting a fitting sentence or just a couple years in prison and a few years of probation? No, I think Jeff was going to jail for the rest of his life because he made a statement to my mother that if you don't meet me in New York, you'll never see Jody alive. So that did aggravated kidnapping and aggravated kidnapping is life without parole. So he he would have been in jail for the rest of his life. Plus he can okay. molesting other boys as well. Okay. You know what they say about the eighties, you know, eighties law enforcement. <laughs> um, so, um, if Jeff Doucette was still alive and had gotten, you know, had completed whatever sentence you got him, do do you think that you, as an adult, would have confronted him if he if he had like completed his sentence and was released, or even if he wasn't released, but you, would you have gone to visit him? And if so, what what do you think you would have said to him? I mean, that's only speculation, you know, thanks to my father. I don't have to worry about that or didn't have right. to worry about that. Um, I, 
you know, I probably, probably would. Yeah, I mean, I probably would have somehow confronted him and, and you know, um, well, you know what, maybe if he'd have gone to jail and been found guilty, maybe I wouldn't have confronted him because then it would be up to the courts. He would have had to register. He'd have to be on probation. You know what I'm saying? So I probably wouldn't have said that. Nothing because I would have known he was uh, being watched, I guess. Oh, okay. So another another thing that always strikes me as weird about people like him, they they get told, okay, you have to register as a sex offender. And then a lot of times they won't do it. So nobody knows that they're, you know, offenders. Why not just, like, let the, let law enforcement or let the, you know, let the judge do that or whatever? Yeah, you know, that way it gets done. <laughs> right. I agree with that. I'm not... I'm not 100% a big supporter in the, you know, registers offenders. Um, I think it it gives a false sense of security because, uh, if you know, uh, the guy across the street is a sex offender, statutory rape, he could have been 19, she could have been 16, and he still has to register. So, I mean, depending on the crime, I mean, if it's not, it's a, if it's a violent sexual assault or rape, or, it, you know, in Jeff's case where he's actually sodomizing young boys, uh, I, why are they out to have to register if they should get stiffer penalties and be in jail? Right. Agreed. So, um, so Doucette was, um, obviously focusing on you mainly, but did he ever do anything with your brothers that looking back may, may, might've made you think that he had designs on them as well? And well, I, my, my, it's funny you, you say that. I just walked over to my little brother's house. And uh, we're talking about jambalaya. And I, and when I make a jambalaya, I cut my sausage into tiny little pieces. And my brother, he goes, sometimes I like big sausage. And his wife goes, oh, you like big sausage? And I just, yeah, I just looked at him and said, you were next. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> and my sister-in-law didn't get it. And I was like, ah, next in line with Jeff. And she was like, ah, okay. But, uh <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. it's more, but no, it's yeah, more funny. <laughs> there was there was a kid older than me, a year older than me that had aged out. And so, he, like, if I was out of town for the weekend, then Jeff would kind of revisit with him. Um, there was one time when Jeff, like, made me and the other boy do things with each other while he watched. So, <clears throat> I mean, there were, I know of at least one other one for sure. Oh, well. Man. So... So, um, you know, I, I, I know that you said that you didn't condone your dad's actions, but you understand why he did it. Um, so, so is he a hero, a criminal or something else? I would say he stands for the symbol of justice for a lot of people, a lot of people who didn't get justice. Um, a lot of times the court systems, they don't provide the justice with, especially when it comes to sexual assault victims. So I think for a lot of people, especially also child molestation victims or child sexual abuse victims, because they often, they don't tell or abusers you know, transferred to another parish or it's a family member. So they just keep it a family secret. Um, so I think my dad, for a lot of people stands for a, a symbol of justice and a hero to many. It's definitely uh, me and Todd's hero. <laughs> yes. Um, but you know, what what would if if there's people out there and I know there are that think that oh well he's a criminal he should he should have done time what would you say to them 
uh, sorry about your impure thoughts you're having with children, but, uh, you know, and no, I mean, I mean, he, he did, but the, my dad was a convicted felon. Uh, you know, my dad right. couldn't own a firearm. So it wasn't like my dad got off scot free. Had he gone to trial, he would have gotten off scot free. There wasn't a jury in Baton Rouge, Louisiana in 1984, 85 that would have convicted my father of shooting a guy, raped his child. Wasn't going to happen. Right. I, I agree with that. <laughs> and, and I, and I tell people all the time, not only did my dad not go to jail, my dad didn't lose his job and he drove the company car to the airport. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. All yeah. Right. That's, that's cool. That I mean, is, that's a, you know, that, that's, a, that's awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the reason I, I had asked you, um, you know, a, a couple questions back, if, you know, what you would say, what you would say to him or whatever, if you would confront him is I recently found out, uh, well, a c- couple years ago, I found out that, um, I had a run in with, um, a serial killer from Louisiana. Um, oh crap. It's, and I'm having a brain fart. <laughs> How the hell? No, Wrong no one I could think. Okay. Uh, I can't believe, but no, I had listened to a podcast about him and it was like, and it's, I think this sounds familiar. So I Googled him and it was him and I was like, holy crap. And I'd never thought about it. I I never knew, but it was definitely him. And Todd and I were talking, you know, it's like, well, what would you do? Yeah. Cause he's still there in prison. Uh, Angola, I think, but yep. um, it's like, if you, if you went like if i went there to 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 talk to him or confront him or whatever i don't know i'd probably go i'd probably come over the table at him (laughs) old potato head (laughs) well then you know then you'd end up in there with him but yeah yeah that's true right but that's 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 kind of why i included that question in there because it's just like yeah it's i mean that happened in 2000 i only made the connection two years ago so but, um, yeah, and yeah, he, well, that's another story for another time. It's a long story, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gay. I was <laughs> he he liked game. What what attracted him to me is I had a broken wrist. That's weird. And he probably thought that I'd make an easy target because I had a broken wrist. Like no, I'll beat you with my cast is what I'll do. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, anyway. But so in your dad's story, when you disappeared, your brothers and, and your sister tried to keep it quiet in school because they were instructed to. But finally they had to tell the principal the truth about why you weren't in school. So after it was all over, you were determined to have a normal life. So my qu- my question is, did tr- people treat you differently when you went back to school? They tried. I wouldn't let them. Um, the, I mean, the, the first day back at school, I walked into the gym and of course everybody was really quiet when I walked in and my friends were all the way across the basketball court and they were sitting on the stage. And so I walked up to them and they just all were just, they weren't saying anything. They were just staring at me like, what? You know, looking at me like I've been kidnapped or something. And then they, they bust out laughing. A couple of girls started crying. Then they realized that, you know, I was still the same person that I was. Then we get to homeroom and they got this big banner on the wall that says, welcome back, Jody. And everybody signed it. And we had a current event board, a current event board. And 
they had a, my picture up there with my signature on the current event board underneath an article that said boy in plastic bubble died. And if you remember that show with John Travolta, when he played the boy in a plastic bubble, yeah. um, he had, he had died around that time I'd been gone. And I just looked at the, the and I said, well, y'all didn't give me much of a chance. Did y'all? <laughs> it was just my picture underneath that. So, so yeah. after that, yeah, and I felt like things went back to normal. Well, it, it's cool. And I'm, I'm sure that there were times that, you know, when it, it gets to you and stuff like that. But I mean, you seem, you seem like you, you know, can, can, can laugh about it. You know, and that's, if you can laugh about something traumatic and everything, that's a clear indication that you beat the damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Opinion. I agree. I agree. Um, I think, I think a lot of people who read my book or if you go read one of the Amazon reviews, it says, you know, this book is funny. You wouldn't think so from the topic, but yes, this made me laugh out loud. And that, that to me has been a running thing. People have all, you know, a lot of them said, yeah, I laughed, I cried. It really was a good story. So, um, you know, I, I tried to put my personality into the book. So I, when someone's reading it and they know me, I want them to think, okay, you know what? Yeah, this is joke. Right on. Yeah. Another, another thing is, you know, based on what you were just talking about, about, you know, I, you laugh about it and everything. I got a message saying, um, you know, on Twitter from somebody saying, you don't sound like a cult survivor. Like, well, thanks. But what, is, what exactly does a cult survivor sound like? <laughs> Not you, apparently. Well, I, I know, no, I was on a, a show with a, a cult survivor. And I mean, everyone in my family was like, oh, she's going back. I mean, she had that, that kind of stare where she just kind of, you know, um, yeah, you know, I'm here with y'all and I mean I mean there there is a, a I don't want to say about there's a kind of a look you know and I, and that's kind of like I remember in sociology class we had we had to study cult and that was kind of one of the things you know that that, that kind of just weird effect well I'm glad that I don't sound like one <laughs> but for, <laughs> yeah but 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 it just that that's kind of what I was saying. It's just like, okay, you have the ability to laugh about it and everything, which I do. Right. I mean, sometimes it's like, especially when we're covering a cult, you know, I'll, 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 I'll see red. I'll get pissed off. I'll start bitching. But, um, yeah, but you know, for the most part, I, I look back at it and I, and I laugh now. I mean, am I still pissed about certain things that happened? Yeah. In the back of my mind, but I'm not, but at the same time, I'm not going to let that sit there and eat away with, with me. And I know the look that you're talking about, um, you know, the documentary is from Heaven's Gate with the survivors. You know, they're, they, they definitely got that look and, and they all sound the same. They all sound like stroke victims. Right. And, yeah. And, you know, I've, I've been trying to get Sawyer to come on, but I, but he's still, he's still very much a member, even though it's not a thing anymore. <laughs> I don't, he's not going to come on our show. But, yeah, I wouldn't if I was him. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I feel bad for the guy. I feel bad. I genuinely right. do. I feel bad for the guy. But so, um, anyway, we're we're getting through it. Um, <laughs> as you grew up, did you and your dad talk about what happened to you, man to man? I don't believe so. No, yeah. no. I, I only spoke with my mother. Um, I mean, as an adult, I mean, we had, we had dealt with that in 1984, so there's no reason to revisit that. Um, but I mean, he, he knew, he knew, and so I mean, it wasn't like he didn't know the details. He knew, um, that's what drove him crazy to go to the airport and kill him. Gotcha. <clears throat> okay. Yep. Sometimes the, 
best answer is the most obvious answer. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, um, so you become an advocate of, for survivors of crimes like this. So, um, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, what did you initially do to get started with it? All right. So when I was in college at LSU, I was at the gym. I actually used to work out and, um, I saw an article in the, the LSU paper that said, you know, men of the violence, uh, kicks off their campaign to end violence on campus. And a friend of mine was against violence. And so he was like, yeah, come, you know, join. So I joined men against violence and we would go around campus and do conflict resolution presentations. We would do, uh, sexual assault risk reduction education program at sororities, fraternities, you know, let the frat guys know that just because she's drunk and passed out, give you the right to have sex with them. And so after doing that for a couple of years, I was able to travel to Orlando and present at the American College Association Health Health Association Conference uh, representing LSU. And then the next year it would happen to be in New Orleans. And I presented at that uh, conference as well. And so I, wa- I knew what I wanted to do knew before then because in 92 when I started taking uh, classes at North Lake Community College in Irving, Texas, I made sure I took speaking classes and uh, that way I knew I wanted to speak publicly about it. So I took speaking classes, joined Men Against Violence and then I was able to get a job in 1998 at uh, the Victim Services Montgomery County Incorporated in Norristown, Pennsylvania. And I was an education specialist, so I'd go around to elementary schools, middle schools, high schools. I do professional trainings as well on um, risk reduction, and I did that for seven years. In the 05, 2005, my dad had a, a really stroke, and I took two weeks off, and I took him to his physical therapy, and that's when I made the decision that I was going to move back home. So um, in June of 2005, I quit working. But I still, I've traveled all over. I mean, I, I spoke in Minnesota uh, since I've been back at Stanford University. Uh, just most recently, I spoke at a conference in Richmond, Virginia, uh, to, you know, 400 people. So, I mean, I still speak whenever I'm invited, and I still like to, you know, raise. Cool. All right. Did we lose you? No, he's still there. No, I'm, I'm here. Yeah. Okay. You're still there to me. Okay. It, it, Todd, is that audio going to come back? Yeah, it should. Okay, cool. <clears throat> it's just, it's, it's dropping to us right now. I think the, I'm fairly certain the audio is getting recorded no matter what. Okay, cool. <clears throat> um, so have, have you ever been involved with law enforcement and putting together a profile for like a, like a unknown criminal? Like they're trying to find out uh, who it is. I have not, but I have a friend of mine who <clears throat> I mentioned in the acknowledgments of my book, uh, Jim Clementi. Clementi, he worked for the FBI and he was a profiler. And, you know, he went that, I went with the counseling route. He went with the, with the bad guy in jail route. <clears throat> and he was a, a survivor as well. Oh, all right. <clears throat> okay. Um, and can, can survivors contact you directly i mean we'll put up your information as well as your book and the episode notes um i get contacted regularly on on social media but i mean my recommendation would be 
reach out to your local rape crisis center. Um, most of them offer uh, free counseling or, you know, a, a limited number of sessions. Of, um, but if you feel like you need to talk to someone, contact them. Okay. All right. Um, <clears throat> so have you, well, Okay, you sent me you sent me a video that which answered this question. Um, I had asked you if you'd been involved with a high, a high profile survivor who had gained whose case gained national attention, and you, know, you were kind of involved with the Elizabeth Smart aftermath. Well, I've I've never actually met Elizabeth, but whenever she was rescued, whenever they found her, a friend of mine was working for the John Walsh TV. Uh, he had a daytime talk show, and I immediately called him and said, "Look, I want to come on a show because I know." That because John Walsh was real tight with uh, Ed Smart, <clears throat> Elizabeth's dad. And so, of course, a couple days later, I'm up in New York City. We're doing a show. I met that woman who was in a cult. And, I mean, the first thing John Walsh said was like, all right, we're not going to talk about the sexual abuse. And I'm like, well, I figured <laughs> that, you know. Um, that, was a, that was a good John Walsh. <laughs> I it was pretty good. Uh, yeah, that was... Yeah, that was good. <laughs> Bill likes to do voices too, so it surprised <laughs> me one bit. But I was just like, "Oh, he's doing voices. All right." <laughs> you know what? What I should do is I, uh, I should just do voices and see if you can figure out who I'm trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! And, uh, and if you you put me on the spot and I can't do one, that's well, you know. that that one that I'm doing is Barack Obama. Yeah, I, I got that. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you got that's pretty good, then I compliment. Thank you. Yeah. But I mean, I didn't, I didn't get it initially. But when you said that, I was like, okay, I can hear it. <laughs> I can hear it. Right on. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so um, all right, we're wrapping up. Um, you you were on ESPN's 360 show. Um, were were you talking about LSU or your advocacy work? Um. Well. Since it was ESPN, if you if you watch the video, it's on YouTube. It's uh, ESPN E60 Kill, and it, this was we filmed this in 2013. And before the Pelicans, the, the New Orleans basketball team was the Hornets, and they decided they were going to change their name to the Pelicans. And before they even played their first game, I went, I got me a Pelicans shirt, a really nice shirt to wear since it was going to be on ESPN. So uh, I did take that into consideration. And the first question that Tom Rinaldi asked me when he got to the house was, how come LSU fans don't like Les Miles? And my answer to him was, this boxing fans didn't like Larry Holmes because he's following the greatest, but he's not the greatest. So because Les Miles followed Nick Saban, you know, LSU fans, are they kind of like their girlfriend to Alabama. And it's like, what would have happened if Nick Saban would have stayed at LSU? LSU probably would have won 10 national championships in in the last 20 years. So instead, Alabama got him. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, do you like Nick Saban? Do do LSU fans like him, or is he like kind of like that hated villain now since he became Alabama's coach? He's the hated villain, but LSU fans are taking back in a heartbeat. Well, I mean, I guess now he's old. But, you know, LSU fans didn't want to lose him in the first place. They wanted him back whenever he left uh, Miami. You know, I mean, they still held on to hope that he was coming back, but no. Now he's kind of like the you know the evil empire Nick's state calling you know, so Bill Belichick. <laughs> uh, you know what? If Bill Belichick had got caught cheating, you wouldn't be talking about him like that. That's all I got to say. He's the Patriots I head coach. 
I hate the I, Patriot. <laughs> I, I I would do a uh, Bill Belichick explanation, but he's too boring, and I would make people quit. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yeah, he's shit. monotone. <laughs> kind of like, kind of like what's her name on Twitter thinks we are. What? I yeah. right, ask me the next question, and I'll do it like Bill Belichick. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> uh, but, but before that, I, I'm a Dolphins fan, as you can see from my shirt here. Nick Saban is hated among Dolphins fans. Oh, I bet he is. By the so way, he, that was a question. The way he did them. Okay. Now this is the last question too. Um, I gotta <laughs> ask: Did your sister really beat up Stormy Daniels? I I gotta know about that. <laughs> um, I don't see what that has to do with my advocacy work. Um. Next question. No, she did. Um, and, and like, like I said, she told me, she said, uh, she didn't get her as good as she wanted to, but they were at the gym and my sister and her friend were looking at Stormy like on a treadmill. And I guess Stormy thought they were talking shit about her. And when Stormy got off the treadmill, she threw a smoothie in my sister's face. And that's my sister went. And, I mean, we told her how to as fight. So. <laughs> that, that's hilarious. I, but that, but yeah. that absolutely is a true story. She may have been Stephanie. She may have been Stephanie and not Stormy back when it happened. But that absolutely right. true. Yeah. If you read Stormy's book, you'll see that there's a lot of. I mean, she's from Baton Rouge, so I mean, yeah, you you can see it. I mean, I, I trust me. I, I wouldn't have. I something better than that if uh, that was a lie. <laughs> I would have said I I got with Stormy, not if my sister beat her up. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. There's better yeah, lies I, to be told. But yeah, I had her before the president did. <laughs> right. And then and another thing I learned from that whole situation is like so I actually I shook hands with Donald Trump in I forget what year it was. I could look up the exact date because I know what was going on at the time. But uh I was in Atlantic City Stern had an event with uh crazy cabby fighting uh Stutter and John. And it was in Atlantic City and I mean right five in the morning and I see Evander Holyfield sitting across and I'm like, nobody's paying attention to nothing but the fight. So in the middle of the fight, I walk around the ring to Evander Holyfield and I walked up to him and I said, man, I just want to shake the hand that knocked out Mike Tyson. And he's like, oh, when I turned to walk back to my seat, sitting ringside right there was Donald Trump. And I know he was a germ foe, but he didn't like to like shake hands with people. Just reached out and grabbed his hand and said, how's it going, Trump? You know, I just grabbed his hand on purpose. But uh, after finding out about uh, his uh, situation with Stormy, he's not a jerk. That's just a <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's, that's hilarious. Oh. That's, um, that's all I, that's, you know, that, that was the last question that I had for you. I mean, I, um, you know, trying to get uh, uh, you under what you needed to do. I'm trying to show the kitty. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can see one of my cats back there. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, yeah, I love the, you know, I love if, the if, way if, you did the Belichick answer at the last question there. That was perfect. <laughs> anyway. Uh, all right. Well, beautiful. thank y'all very much for being on time or, you know, get me out of here on time. Um, I did watch that episode and I, I, I'm glad you asked me about the loan shorts. I was like, I mean, it's not a bad theory. No, that wasn't the case. I wish it was. Then daddy wouldn't have had to do what he did. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we, let them, we let them take care of it. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, anyway, um, yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. And thanks for giving us, like, right. inside information, man. That was great. Yeah. And another yeah, maybe thing. Maybe I'll see you. Uh, are you going to CrimeCon in Nashville? Well, that's what I was going to say. Maybe I'll see y'all there. I, right. I've reached out to him. I've reached out to him for, like, three years straight. 
back to me. So um, I want to, you know, I would like to, you know, I would like to be a keynote speaker there. I mean, I think I have a good presentation, um, but you know, we'll see. Maybe um, I, I did sign a, a an agreement with a business partner, and we just signed a deal with a group out of Toronto to turn the book into a docu series. Oh, wow. so maybe that'll change uh, if that's aired. And you know, I, yeah. I'd love to go. To, love to go. So maybe know. maybe I'll see y'all there. Yeah, that'd be cool. Anyway. Yeah, we bought, we bought, we're, right. we bought tickets. So, um, yep. <laughs> all Take right, care, well, brother. Thanks, thanks for being on, and you have a good evening. To, um, yep. All right. Nice, not, not, nice meeting you. You too, brother. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. 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 Anyway, um, thanks for listening. We appreciate the hell out of it. Hook us up on all our stuff. Bye. Jody's book. I'm. It's in my. It's in my checkout thing on Amazon. I haven't. Um. I haven't ordered it yet. I probably will in the next um, few days. Right on. But I definitely want to read it. Yeah. And. And anyway, uh, until next time. Later. Cheers, everybody.